I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amory Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson without works. This week, we will explore the validity of Putin's claim to annex Ukraine because he is following Jesus' teaching in Not Necessarily the Good News. And Lemuel will explain our absence and stand up and testify. President, dictator, and former KGB head Vladimir Putin was attending a rally in March in support of his actions against Ukraine. This was early in the war, and over 20,000 Russians attended the rally, mostly those who support Putin's aggression and his dream of recreating an empire. Putin had given reasons before the invasion of Ukraine, including stopping Ukrainian separatists, the villains in his interpretation, from genocide of their own people. Then he added this. And this is where the words from the scriptures come to mind. There is no greater love than if someone gives his soul for his friends. Yes, he quoted Jesus Christ as to why he invaded the independent country. We know that Putin, like many before him, is quoting Jesus out of context. So what was Jesus' intent when he said this? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John fifteen twelve thirteen. 13. So you see the difference. I do see the difference. I also, the idea of using, for, um, well, first of all, I'm pretty sure Jesus is largely talking about himself. Right. <laughs> and Putin is... In no way on the line (laughs) for his friends. Um, I would also argue that Putin does not have friends in the in the in the traditional sense. Yeah, this is a this is a wild wild take here. He um the when Jesus is speaking, right? This is from the Gospel of John. The four Gospels. All the good quotes, man. (laughs) Well, the four Gospels are are different Mm -hmm. in that. Mark is almost informative. It's very documentary. Luke uh, did apparently research with the people surviving because it was written by one of the companions of St. Paul not so far after the event. Gotcha. John, we're not sure when he wrote it, only that it was written later. He does have all the good quotes, though. Yeah, but he also includes lots of, of like, Jesus' more um, verbose. It's also the love. He's he yeah. all the love. He's very quotes. much emphasizing. For so God, that's that right. one, right? That's for God, God so loved the world that <laughs> He gave His only begotten Son. Yeah. Them. So He, um, this is one of the instructions that Jesus is giving to His disciples before He goes to get crucified. So He's on the verge of giving His own life. So He's saying. He's not saying lay down your lives. He's no. saying you guys love each other. I'm gonna go lay down right. my and this life is directly, so that you guys can go ahead exactly. and love each other. Yeah, Putin. Hey, Putin. You've misread some things. Also, I'm pretty sure you are not a Christian man. Right. Well, he claims even though you claim to be, to be against all of right. the non-Christian things and the quote New World Order, which is a phrase that should die in a fire. <laughs> we should. Do a right. show on the new we world will, order. Actually, because I, I remember when that really began gaining a lot of traction. And, and it's like, still what? around. Biden uses the phrase not, phrase not ironically. So uh, I, can't, I we got to talk about it at some point. But, but yeah, yeah, the idea that Jesus 
directly before this, stripped to his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. And when he's there, which was a custom when somebody came on off the dusty road, you invited them in, you washed their feet. That was a sign both of your humility and their how respected they were as guests. And when um, when St. Peter questions him about this, he's like, I'm doing this so that none of you have an excuse not to do it for each other. Yeah. Because if I'm in charge and I'm willing to do this, then mm-hmm. you should be doing it for each other. You have to help each other. And so it Look, really... It's the exact opposite of how Putin leads the country. Right, exactly. And so to... And, and especially after the massacre uh, of civilians... Um, in Buka? Yeah, yes, yeah. in Buka. Where this I, if that pronunciation is wrong, I apologize. Right. Uh, that is what I have heard. That doesn't mean that, that it's right. Right. There, it, it's so egregious, not the, just the massacre in itself, but to also sort of say that this is part of God's plan or something, that we are being Christ-like, in that we are helping them um, and assisting them to be a part of our empire so that we can protect them from their own people. And in truth, they're just sort of digging mass graves and throwing bodies into it. And yeah, it, this was really egregious. I'm seeing it is pronounced Bucha, Bucha. so I apologize. Yes. So, but, I, yeah, Bucha. Yeah, the, the, the bad news is coming out of Ukraine so quickly that it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to listen to all of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also hard to keep up with it because there's so much happening. You hear about uh, just these horror stories about people being dragged from cars and, and uh, shot in front of their families. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I think the one that I saw that was just particularly heinous was watching uh, drone footage of a man shot by a tank. And it's just a solitary man. It seems to me that that is overkill. Right, walking like, down the road. But he's not he's the best walking term, his but... bicycle. Yeah. He turns a corner and a tank takes him out, followed by another tank at a distance, shooting at the same spot. And you're like, why on earth was that necessary? What did you do? Or what did he do? He had a bicycle. He apparently was an elderly man. Um, I'm not sure if it's been identified uh, who he is. Uh, but the news changes so fast, he probably will be by the time this this um, this is on. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's his saying... I, I'm doing this like the scripture says. I don't know what their resources are in Russia. The 20,000 people in the crowd mostly cheering him. Well, you have to keep in mind, too, it is illegal to not cheer for Putin. <laughs> right. like, like, I say that and it sounds like a joke, but it really isn't. It is illegal. To, like, Putin will have you disappeared. Right. Or poisoned. Yes. And he seems to extend he beyond the borders of his own country. Yes, yes indeed. The people, there are a lot of people in Russia speaking out, mm-hmm. but it is very dangerous for them to do so. Also, most of the soldiers, Russian soldiers, are children. <laughs> They're like 18 years old and they didn't know that this was what they were going to be yeah. doing at all. Like, you can see they're scared and they're dying. And he's killing his own, a whole, a whole generation of his own people for his What I mean is that when when he's getting that sort of support from the crowd and and talking about the Christ-like actions that he's taking, I don't know how many people in the crowd don't know that he's doing this. Well, that's the other thing is they don't have outside news. It is 
entirely um, a state-led media and state-controlled media. So uh, they all actually, a lot of Russians, most I would argue Russians, blame the United States for what Putin is doing because that is the narrative that is being fed. Mm. I'm unclear on how that narrative goes, just that it is the United States faults or the western world the I western world's yeah. fault nato uh, nato is a is a large kickoff for this this whole thing uh-huh. uh which ironically is pushing other countries towards nato finland and um, other scandinavian countries are like oh we're now more seriously looking at joining this thing because uh russia could just attack anybody at any well, time that, apparently that's, that's what's, um most disturbing, I, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but when I went into the hospital the first time, the emergency room, um, the first person new, piece of news I got from CNN, from the television in the hospital room, was that Russia was invading the Ukraine. Yes. And up until then, there had been tensions about, oh, they're, they might, they're, they're saying that there's yeah, and they annexed. Right. They they already did an attack back in 2014, mm-hmm. where they have been in control of Crimea for a large, which is a part. It's like a state, basically, uh-huh. of Ukraine. Uh, but they went in, yoinked it, and have been controlling it since 2014. And so now this is an expansion yeah. of that. But Putin has always wanted Russia to equal what used to be the USSR. Right. He wants everything back. He wants all of that landmass and all of those people back. And his his threats have always been, have lately been you we're not even going to give you statehood. And the people of Ukraine are like we don't care about your statehood. We are a country. Right. Leave us alone. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, it's also a complicated issue because um I hear President Biden Mm-hmm. saying things like, well, this, I mean, it is true, it's a danger to democracy. It is. It's a danger to the way of life that we're all trying to build for everybody. And going on about how we as the United States have to represent freedom to the world, mm-hmm. and then thinking, uh, well, we yes, have Mr. Biden, to destabilize this is what freedom we've done. The world. Yes, we have done a lot of these things. Ask a Native American yeah. what America means to him or them. Well, and, and we don't even have to look at America. We could also look at Various countries right. in South America that we have destabilized, in Central America that we have destabilized, the Middle East that we have destabilized. Right. But I mean, on on the notion of just coming and snatching your independent country or your independent land and and absorbing it to ourselves, that's kind of what America, the United States, rather is built on. So it's it's I get a little queasy sometimes hearing it because I'm going, yeah, but <laughs> yes, ideally, sure, but mm-hmm. in actuality, ooh, yeah. <laughs> It's it's um, this has gone way too far. I'm hoping and praying that that this doesn't go on any further. That it can be stopped. That maybe yeah. Putin can have a literal come to Jesus moment and realize that this is going. To, this is going to be another Vietnam or another Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, it isn't for a, a number of reasons, not mm-hmm. least of which is. What Russia does not have that the United States had during Russia during right. Vietnam is resources. Well, also Russia okay. is running out of money, mm-hmm. will, people, right, 
uh, food. I mean, the people of Russia are suffering right now, not as badly as people of Ukraine. But the inflation is bonkers bananas. People are having trouble finding food Mm -hmm. in major cities in Russia. That is really things that are happening, and we're not hearing much about it, and Putin is not focused well, on that. Well, he's not going to share that information with people. No. He's going to give the impression that everything is going okay, and that he's in charge of the best empire on earth. That information doesn't get out <laughs> that was That was the thing that Obama said that is very true about Putin, and might have been Putin's sort of... That Donald Trump moment, uh-huh. like at the, you know, when Donald Trump felt slighted by Obama and then mm. decided, made his, his decision to do what he did, which is to say that Russia doesn't have anything the rest of the world wants. Right. They don't even, people like vodka, most vodka that we drink is not made in Russia. Right. It's made maybe by Russian expats. Yeah. But they're not in Russia. They are not Russian citizens and the money isn't going to Russia. Russia has, some gas, some oil. And that's going mostly to Europe, though, right? And that goes mostly to Europe. What Russia and Ukraine both have is wheat, mm-hmm. which serves most of Africa um, and large swaths of Europe. And that is going to be a significant problem in the coming couple of years, even with the damage that's already been done. Yeah. And the longer it goes, the larger those famines are going to be everywhere in the world and no we're we're not talking about that either i think they're trying to deal with the immediate problem of get him out of there or get this to stop yes um i i i learned that from a black uh, writer talking about how she was getting fed up with people telling her to not talk about the war war between russia and ukraine because it's a white people's war and she's like no. The world doesn't work like that anymore. No, no. It We're too interconnected. And years ago. every all of these countries that want to do nationalists and closing of the borders and this, that, and the other, they don't seem to realize that we are beyond that. We are yeah. beyond it. it. Too many places rely on too much stuff from too many other places. It, there's nowhere that is self-sufficient in this country right now, except maybe a commune, like a very small... Right. But a whole country, There, I don't believe that there is a whole country on this earth right now that is self-sufficient. It is getting yeah. food or electronics or engineering help or brain power or... one of these sources of life Mm -hmm. is coming from other places because we've now become very specialized in the place in certain places Uh and so they're like you know people are like well you know that place makes all of our clothes basically so we'll just have them make all the clothes and get all the clothes from there so when that place is under attack oops there's no clothes anywhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think when I when I said Vietnam, mm-hmm. I mean that it could become long and dragged out. It could I don't be really know humiliating that he's got the him. money for it. I think that the other, the issue that I see where it could get worse than that, though, is that Vietnam was mostly ended by the fact that Americans at home were unwilling to go along with it. Go anymore. along, yeah, yeah. And if the average Russian citizen does not know what's going on, there is not going to be protests. There's not going to be no, people pushing No, it's going to take a lot longer. Although, 
the protests may come in the form of help us right. rather than stop hurting them. Yeah. Which happen. could also be effective. Yeah. But that means that situation's going to have to be dire for a lot of people in two countries to get this to stop, it's, which is not the ideal situation. My understanding is that it's pretty that. dire already. Yes. And it's just going to get worse from here the longer. And he's not the kind of person who seems to, he seems to take it very personally, the fact that Ukraine is resisting. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. He um, he's going to keep pushing until he has some sort of breakthrough or he gets broken, it looks like. I hope that's not going to happen. I've seen... I hope so, too. Countless military advisors on CNN <laughs> talking about how really worried they are about that situation. I'm wondering if there's going to be a change of power in Russia, and there I'm wondering be. what that's going to look like. It's not going to be pretty no. <laughs> by any stretch of the no. imagination. So, but I think that might be the best bet for a swift resolution uh-huh. but who knows what that looks like and what kind of fallout it will cause right um and unforeseen unforeseen things on the other side um but yeah it's you know i don't know does it make sense for us to even say out loud we stand with ukraine and against russia uh not least of which for um you shared an one of the articles that you that we are gonna link with this is um an article about uh from the Russian Orthodox Church leader uh-huh. um that talks about the reasons for the war because uh, this is a quote from this article from the week. Putin frequently accuses the West, I love the West in capital letters. Right of, quote, denying moral principles and all traditional identities while portraying Russia as the guardian of, quote, the Christian values that constitute the basis of Western civilization. Uh, And then the next sentence in this article is, only around 6% of Russians attend church regularly, and Russia also has the highest abortion rate in the world. Which is unfortunate. I'm not... I'm not no. looking for high abortion rates. What that tells me is they also have a very low access to contraception rate, which is, hey, guys, the easiest way to lower that abortion rate <laughs> is to increase access to contraception. Uh, but, you know, that tied with their extreme anti-gay sentiment. Yeah. Like, it is illegal to say or be gay in Russia, which doesn't change the fact that in a population that big, there are millions of gay Russians who are just living every day in fear. So, and now Ukraine is like, well, we, we, yeah. we're not going to, we're not going under your hand to then deny the existence of all of these people. And there, there is gay pride parades and days in Kiev. Like Ukraine oh. has some modicum of acceptance and openness to a plethora of types of people that Russia does not. And so not only is Ukraine fighting for its national identity, it's fighting for the existence of its citizens. I wonder if there's more 
uh, like attendance for the Orthodox Church outside of Russia than there is inside of Russia? I don't know. Maybe uh, I've seen like, Orthodox the Russian churches Orthodox Church everywhere yeah. I've ever lived. Yeah. So I know that there are Russian Orthodox people here in the yeah. United States. Um, because I know that it was discouraged by the communists for such a long time. Yes. That they're just generations of people who have no idea what, what you do in church. So yeah. so I guess in summation, no. No. Mr. Putin, no. You don't. It, <laughs> it's To me, this is a moment for him, the equivalent of Donald Trump chasing away the... Uh, the nuns and folks who were taking care of people who were injured mm -hmm. in um, he's targeting and holding up a Bible hospitals right there's no Jesus here right there's no yeah there's nothing in his motivations at all he's blowing up buildings he's targeting hospitals he's uh, he's yeah and when I say he I don't mean that he directly but his he doesn't seem to have no, but he wants credit for everything that's happening well, on behalf of the mm -hmm. Russians, so let's go ahead and lay it at his feet. Um, you can't bomb a hospital no. and talk about how he's doing it because Jesus said. No, it's absolutely like Jesus not. Said, right? Also, no. don't talk about laying down your life. Never, never have you, never will you. Not while you've been in power anyways. It's possible in the KGB he was more hands-on. I don't think so, though. Mm. He seems like a scared person. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Knock it off, Putin. Next up, Lemuel will explain our recent hiatus and his personal journey as he stands up to testify. I said I wasn't going to testify, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Oh, I couldn't keep it to myself. Oh, I What the Lord, Lord has done for me. Stand up and testify is our way of preserving the church tradition of giving time to the congregation to stand up and talk for a moment between weekly services um, and talk about a time where you felt God's presence during the week or understood a spiritual truth or had a moral victory. There's a lot of humor about this, especially okay. in the church. Right. We, we tease people about it a lot. Uh, because a person stands up and sometimes in front of everyone they overshare or they give way too much information. Or it's a humble brag. Right. <laughs> or they put others in a bad light. Well, when Sister So-and-So said this about me, it broke my heart, but I decided to love her anyway. I decided to love her yeah, anyway. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> so that happens sometimes. And so you'll see a lot of of people who brought up in the church who remember like, yeah, I think we had to cut down the testimony time because that would happen. But yeah, it's not a, it's not time for infighting. Right. It's time to thanks. It's not time for thanks and to share the love of Jesus. Because we're all supposed not to be your love of self. Right. <laughs> we're all supposed to be sharing what got us through the week because sometimes what you went through will help somebody else. Right. Right. So he's your boom operator. Yes, we have a our cat is present today and he's messing with my mic she she <laughs> all right so i'll do my best to avoid these things in my testimony last summer i was working with an extraordinary martial arts teacher uh 
because martial arts is one of the things I've done for a very long time now. In the days following this workout where I pressed myself way too hard, I think, I really overdid it, I developed a sore back. And it, uh, after a few weeks, it just wouldn't go away. I thought I'd pulled a muscle, that I'd extended the wrong way, something. And uh, I was in so much pain that I was waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning, just unable to sleep. So on the advice, uh, calling the advice nurse for um, Kaiser, I, uh, she told me to go in to see my regular doctor, and he saw me, and he said that based on my range of motion, that it was a pulled muscle and could be relieved by physical therapy and lots of ibuprofen. And heat. And heat. So eight months later, I went to visit him again, and I was insisting on x-rays this time on advice of a friend who used to be a physical therapist. Um, I developed dizziness and a lack of sensation in my legs. Yeah, numbness in the legs? <laughs> well, that was what I knew. I was uh, on a trip with a friend. I got out of their car, and the moment I stood up and rested my weight on my legs, I got dizzy, and I couldn't feel my feet, anything beneath my knees. And I'm like, no, this is not good. And it took a couple of minutes to get the sensation back, and immediately on coming home, I made an appointment with uh, the same doctor, but insisting on that x-ray. Uh, as it turned out, he called me immediately after I went for that appointment, saying the x-ray had turned up that I had a spinal infection. I had to go in for an MRI, which given the fact that I couldn't at that point sleep very well because my back hurt when I laid on it. I hurt when I laid on my side. It was it really, it was, there was no comfortable way to do this, to rest at all. Um, the MRI hurt a great deal and directly from there went into the ER. And uh, it turned out that the spinal infection had infected my vertebra and the discs between them mm -hmm. had been eroded and they were pitted and scored with infection. I went for a separate visit after that one and had a, a surgery. After spending a week in the hospital where they didn't yeah. know what was wrong, they thought it was one thing, and after five days they realized, oh, it might be this other thing, Yeah, did a test for that other thing, and it turned and out it yes. was that, yes. It turned out it was uh, it was a, um, oh, good Lord, the name of the virus. It's I will find it for you. Okay, it's, it took me too long. I was reading it going, uh, what's, what, is, what is this? But it was inhaled uh, on one of my hiking trips, and it got in through my system, into my blood, and eventually worked its way into my spine, and it had a good meal there. Coccidities, uh, or coxy. Mm -hmm. It's a, also called valley fever. It's a fungal disease that is typically found in the lungs, but you... Yes. Had it bypass your lungs and get directly into your bones. Yeah. Which, yes, that, <laughs> that happened. And so all the last, the eight months in between when I was uh, exercising and hiking and running around and, and I, this was... It was just nomming away on your right. vertebra. So I went in for a surgery. It was supposed to be five hours. It wound up being ten they removed the infected discs between two sets of vertebrae and reinforced the vertebrae with four sets of screws 
they installed um, artificial discs, and some of it has organic matter in it. Mm-hmm. They're hoping Just it will grow. Packing that they hope will yes, like um, like seeding a coral reef. Right. To hoping your bone will grow back around it. And there was a brief hospital stay after that, and I was released home. Um, I'm recovering, and I've been going back to work recently for limited hours. And I am told that I will not be able to quite get to the my previous level in the future. Like in the, the future, I won't return to full function. But uh, that's also largely because you are a year and a half older than you were when this started. Right. Like, age will come into play as well. Well, yes, I'm 52 years old. I will be 53 in another month. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be careful for that, so I'm not going to be doing uh, some of the exercise I used to. Although apparently walking is still something I can do. Like, do that all the time if you can. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough and really painful. Especially the last, uh, the last, the visit between the, the visit in, I guess it was February, right? When I yeah. went in for the, uh, the, the MRI that wound was, up being. It was the end of uh, January. It was January, I think, 27th that you went in and then you were, you went in to get the MRI. Mm-hmm. You, you went, had to go directly to the emergency room because you were unable to stand or move on your own. Right. They uh, admitted you for two days and let you go, but you were not better by any stretch of the imagination. Also, it should be noted that he has a sensitivity to um, opiates, so the only pain mitigation he was having during all of this was a leave, (laughs) over-the-counter acetaminophen and NSAIDs, uh, which, just so you know, weren't enough. Just They're not enough. Uh, And then uh, in the mid-March, you went in, or mid-April, or mid, I'm sorry, mid-February, you went in to do, the next time basically you left the house, you had to get the, you were getting the biopsy because they saw something on the MRI that was like a, assist mm-hmm. in your spine and so you went in and it was a spinal tap was right. what what they gave you once again once you got through that procedure it was too much for your body to bear and you were admitted to the er and that is when you were in the hospital for a week well they thought it was a bacterial infection they were going to put a pick line in you definitely were going to get surgery that first night and then they were like no 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 wait let's figure out what's going on before we give you the surgery which was Really a blessing, but seemed like a, both a blessing and a curse. Because I was just like, well, if something is attacking his spine, don't fix it before the attack is over. Because he two spinal surgeries is not right. is is too many spinal surgeries. But also fix his spine. <laughs> so, yeah, I... and there were doctors who thought was were sure it was a bacterial infection, and then fortunately. Uh, another doctor came who had experience and had seen this before, mm-hmm. and that, along with the cultures they took from your biopsy, they were able to diagnose this fungal infection, which uh, it's not a good result, but 
A, we could start treating it not without antibiotics, with an antifungal medication that you're now going to be on for the rest of your life. The rest of my life. Uh, you made it to 52 without having to take a daily pill. Yeah. I didn't make it past 30, so good job. Uh, and... Um, large quantities of that. He takes a thousand milligrams a day um, for now and for the foreseeable future. He'll go down to a, a hundred, about a hundred milligrams uh, a day uh, forever. Uh, after about two to three years, it sounds That's like. That's what she told me originally. It might be shorter though. Um, blood work every month to make sure that it's not spiking in your blood. Right now, you are fungus free. Right. Uh, and also not eating mushrooms anymore. <laughs> I'm very suspicious of the mushrooms. Um, I will say uh, the day after I visited you after your surgery, uh-huh. when you were able to get up in 15 seconds, yeah. where it had taken you over two hours to get up right. the night before we... I, to the point where I thought I was going to have to call an ambulance and have EMT transfer you right. because I didn't think you were going to be able to stand yeah, up. Yeah, and this was the night before the, uh, the night scheduled before surgery. The scheduled surgery. It was just one of the worst nights of my life. It was, it was horrible. horrible. And once we got you up, I wouldn't let you lay back down. We put you, we propped you up on the on the couch uh-huh. seated so that you wouldn't have to do that again. Right. Um, and then to see you literally the next day when I came and that you were, they were like, okay, time to get up for your physical therapy. And you were up in 15 seconds. It was like a miracle. Yeah. I, I have n- I've never seen such a shift in physical performance from, from negative to positive. I've seen it the other way. Obviously, you have right. a catastrophic event and you can't do a thing you could just do. Yeah. But to be able to do something so quickly after you absolutely couldn't do it was incredible to see. It's the closest thing to a miracle I think I've ever oh. seen, it, like in real life. It's it, it was, and one of the reasons I brought this up in the first place because I don't really want to talk too much about my problems, mm-hmm. is that I wanted to apologize for not being able to broadcast a podcast for a while. Podcast, yeah, no, we didn't because it's, it was so difficult. This program, the other one that we do, yes, is. Like, improvise, we watch the show, uh, a television program or a movie or something, and we talk about it. I take the lead, yeah. largely. This, uh, Without Works, is largely written. Mm-hmm. And it's written by me yes. uh, a lot of the time. And so the problem was that when I came back from this, the hospital, it was hard for me to stare at a screen. You have not had... It was because you were in so much pain right. with absolutely no pain mitigation yeah. uh, for the first three months of this year uh-huh. that yeah, thinking about anything it was, was not... very difficult. If it wasn't passive, mm-hmm. it was very difficult for you. And to, even passive... You get I, lost in conversations. Right. Like, you get lost in sentences. And, and that was tricky, too, because the, I don't think the physicians understood that that was a symptom. Right. They I, don't know you, right? They don't. They'd only seen you in this state. Mm-hmm. And I think that they possibly looked at your skin and your name and were like, well, he's just a confused person who wanders through the world confused, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, I, uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's the case, although it could be. I mean, more than one person's agreed it, with you. We were constantly saying he, there are neurological deficits here. Right. You had aphasias at certain points where you just... 
weren't making sense. Like mm-hmm. the words that you were saying were not the words that you intended to say. And um, largely, I believe, due to pain, just yeah. and your body trying to cope with what it could and not being able to give the energy to anything else. Um, and those concerns weren't being heard. I don't think that those are uh, symptoms of the fungal infection, though they yeah. absolutely could have been. Yeah. They did, you know, I, I presume that they looked at your brain and you don't have it up there and you're fine now. Like you mm-hmm. can, right. you can look at a screen, you could write this thing. Yeah, it's, it takes me longer. One, the, the recovery is kind of slow. Um, After my surgery, I mm. had word finding difficulties for upwards of two years. Wow. And well, that was just yeah. anesthetic related and I was not under as long as you. So yeah. that could be... A, there's an a, ongoing thing. Yeah, the and as the being under for an unexpectedly long period of time. Uh, I came back with a couple of souvenirs, yeah. <laughs> a pair of very large bruises, one on my forehead and one on my chest, and I lost about thirty pounds. So it, it's coming back was strange because it was like being a different person, mm-hmm. and I had to get used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm walking around now. I'm using alternately a walker and a cane. And it, it's hard getting used to where I am in space now. Or I'm, I have directions that for, well, it's only going to go for another couple of days. I'm not supposed to lift anything above five pounds. I'm not supposed to bend over. Uh, I'm not supposed to uh, twist, putting torsion on my hips or on my waist. So I have these sort of strict instructions. I have to walk around very sort of rigid. Um, which I don't always succeed at. Uh, but when I don't, my back lets me know this is a bad idea. Don't do this. So, um, but I, at first I was actually kind of upset about how much pain I was in. I mean. And at times I was just looking. And I, I, one of the things that used to be, was comforting was in the hospital, having my, my cell phone next to me. And I would, um, Go to YouTube, and there's a, a narrator who used to narrate some of the National Geographic specials when I was a kid, Alexander Scorby. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he apparently had been asked to read the New Testament at some point. Mm. So I'm listening to the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark, and I would go to sleep that way. And there were times when I had these horrible muscle spasms. And... Uh, and they would they would come like contractions. They'd be every minute or so, or even less. And uh, they would go right through my spine and into other parts of my body, like my neck and my legs and everything. It was really like having someone grab your lower back and twist it for all they're worth. Mm. And uh, and I would sit there and listen to these, you know, the, the scripture, and there was the words that I thought were love, healing, and then there was all these stories about Jesus curing people. I'm going, well, thanks. Me. <laughs> yes. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what I realized afterward was that, especially for today, which is a good Friday that we're recording, mm-hmm. is that I didn't suffer anything compared to what he did. But um, I'm going to, I'm coming out of it differently, which is something that occurred to me in the hospital. I have to come out of this a different person than I was. Because if if not, this whole lesson was pointless. 
And I do believe it was like a lesson that I had to learn, a lesson about being stubborn, a lesson about not being able to depend on other people even if you trust them. Uh, a lesson about... Because part of when I grew up, there was always a sort of suspicion of people, other people and what their motives were. Well, that's a shame. And so when I'm in the hospital, there's a group of people who are actually working very hard to take care of me. And I understand they're paid for it, not well enough to my mind, but these are people who are working very hard to make sure that I at least experience some kind of comfort and some kind of relief from all of this pain that I was uh, suffering. And I thought, and they, they actually, I established a relationship with several of them, where I'm like, I knew their first name, and we were talking about, you know, having a family, or the books we liked reading, or things like that. It was, it was pretty amazing. And so I have to, you know, think that the staff that took care of me at uh, the Kaiser, the spinal department, but on top of that, it was, it, w it was an experience to learn how to stop regarding everyone else as as somebody who wants something from you. Mm. These are people here to help you. And of course, you and Stephanie, our other roommate, mm -hmm. and even Alex, mm -hmm. were just really first-rate during this period of time. You, you still are, of course, but the amount of care that I got from you guys, the, you know, it, there was a, a period where I couldn't, I literally, I can't stoop over right now. Nope, no uh, bending, no lifting, no twisting. Right. I uh, I now have a, a grabber thing that grabs mm. things for me, and I feel horribly old, but it helps. And and I'm recovering, and I see myself getting better. I see myself getting to somewhere close to where I used to be, if not 100%, 80% of what I was. And maybe going in different directions. Um, You'll be a hundred percent of whoever you are. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, I was talking to my friend Alan, and said, "My my karate years are over, but my tai chi years are going to begin." There's going to be a, a less st stressful physical part for my future, but I'm really grateful. I've learned to be grateful through this experience. I've learned to be. Um, appreciative of the people around me and how much they're willing to help when things go wrong. I spent so much of my life helping my dad and then later my mom when she got sick and never understood what it felt like to really rely on other people. And um, and now I do. It's like, God, it's, it's horrible being helpless, but it's really wonderful knowing that someone's going to be there for you. So if nothing else, I've learned that lesson. And I'm grateful for it. And I'm sure there's more that I'm going to learn from this because I'm the kind of person who believes that everything is meant for a reason. Uh, that happens to me. I'm not applying this to everybody else. But, um, and especially today, it's Good Friday. Uh, this will drop on Easter Sunday, which is, along with Christmas, the holiest day of the Christian calendar. So, uh, yes. I, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for the struggle I've been through, and for the friends that I have, and and the spine surgeon. 
Dr. Yakov, who is an amazing doctor. I don't know. There was a um, a moment when he he came into the room. He was very busy. Yes. <laughs> He'll come into the room and just very quickly go through all of your details with you. In less than two or three minutes, he's out. He's just sort of, this is what we did. This is what happened. This is what I did. This is how long your recovery should take. And then he just sort of, see you later or whatever. And he did this every day. Uh, but it's it's like, God bless that man. But would stop and answer questions. Yes, he will. Was very clear. Uh-huh. Like his bedside manner is very good. And like I said, mm-hmm. the day after your surgery, you were able to sit up without a problem in 15 seconds where it yes. took two hours. To, you know, one day before. So It's amazing. And I'm really grateful that I got put into the right hands and that he was able to help me and and his team of surgeons were all very good. So it's, yes, it is its own miracle. And I'm very happy for it. So that's my testimony. And that's also why I've been so late. Yes. Won't do it again. We're going to try and get back on a more regular schedule, probably monthly. Yeah. I think to start. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been very, it's hard for me to, uh, I'm still having trouble getting up a staircase, much less trying to, you know, get everything together like this, but um, I'm very grateful for you helping so much also with the program this week, uh, and um, and hopefully, yes, more in the future. More in the future. The future! All right, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We're very glad to be back with you, and we wish you a happy Easter. If you like the show, please think about subscribing, uh, maybe leaving us a review, and sharing it with some friends, or one friend, any friend. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. You can find us on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod. You can find us on Facebook at without uh, by searching Without Works in the search bar. And you can email us at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. All of those links are on the uh, website, so go ahead and have a look over there. I've been Amity. He's been Lemuel. And we urge you to get out and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun, under the sun.